0: are we are we on are we are we europe what the truth is and how it should be told i think there are a lot of borders to be broken you can build it together community
1: and it's a rush
0: open minds open borders openness. Open try to make europe sexy
1: with all sense. sense. are we are we are, are we europe, europe? <laughs> yeah. what up are we europe boom You're about to listen to our live radio show. In Brussels, our editorial team met at the Jockey Cafe to discuss Beyond the Headlines of War, our latest issue. From design, to language, to pictures, they explained the difficult choices behind the publication of a magazine about war.
0: Hello, everyone. Thank you. I. Uh... I'm actually quite happy that the crowd thinned out a little bit because i'm not a very confident public speaker so this feels a little bit more intimate very nice great then i would like to say hello to everyone who's listening now and in the future Uh, my name is eddie stock i am creative director and designer at arbor europe so the magazine um, that you see that this entire event is about was designed by me and by anna who is um doing an internship at Arvo Europe, but is in essence our junior designer. Um, I think for you, one of the reasons that you came to Arvo Europe was because you wanted to work with a real physical magazine.
1: Yes, uh, so I studied uh, graphic design and I knew for a long time that what I wanted to do was work in print and not in UX design or digital design. Uh, and I think that is because I, since I was a kid, I always loved books. And now I don't really read books anymore because I don't have the time. But I really love looking at magazines and seeing magazines and reading magazines. Uh, and I just think that it has a premium feel- feeling to it. Touching the paper, we're looking at our screens constantly all day, especially designers but a lot of other professions as well and so just being able to get off the screen and look at a magazine it's it's really nice but tell me uh, why you also like doing print magazines
0: yeah no for uh, for us at are we print is really at the core of our identity um, we do slow news we do slow journalism and we think that print is a very intrinsic part of the slowness. I mean, it's also the fact that you have to you're making something very permanent, which means that you start thinking about what kind of stories have a timeless quality Um, you really become much more careful in your editorial line, but also in terms of design, you really want to be very careful in what you put out there for posterity (laughs) Um, So for our Europe, print is really part of our DNA, which is I love, because I love Receiving a big batch of, of print magazines in a box and just taking it out and then smelling the fresh ink that has only just dried, um, it really is a wonderful feeling. I think that there's a lot of different reasons why print is maybe not superior but definitely still has a place in the modern media space, even though everything's a lot faster, a lot more digital. Um, I think that especially because we're all in the news cycle every single day, we get push notifications, we get we check the news every single day online. Uh, I think that in that space, it's very good to be able to check out of that news cycle and hold something physical. And other than that, there's a lot of differences to designing. I think it's a lot more interesting from a design technical perspective to design a print product versus a, a digital product. Um, I think that there's a lot more unpredictability because paper and ink don't always combine in a predictable way the way you would see it on a screen. Um, we're a very small publication, which means we don't have the budget to do print test prints, uh, which really big publications they print the entire magazine before they actually go to print and then they check whether everything works. And we don't have the budget for that. So we just kind of make sure that everything is as good as we can get it and then we just. <laughs> which is um, maybe not uh, how it would be ideally, but it is, it is exciting because you don't always know how something comes back. I think one of the most interesting parts of uh, the magazine where you can really see the interaction, or at least what ink and paper do when you don't uh, have it, everything under control, is uh, the story uh, Transnistria Conglomerate, which is a story about uh, a small region of Moldova called Transnistria, which has very strong Russian ties. And we chose a very beautiful blue color uh, for the background. Um, but because, of, um, because we chose a little bit too complex of a color with too many different inks in it, uh, it became a little bit splotchy, um, which is, it's unfortunate, but it creates a completely different texture, which I love. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, art made by the machine, by the printer. Uh, if anyone has any questions in the audience, feel free to just stick up your hand or interrupt, by the way. Um, because I'm just going to keep talking. Um, I think another way that designing for print is completely different from designing for digital, uh, for a screen, is because when you're looking at a screen, you're basically just looking at one static image. Uh, it's, uh, or even Maybe that's not even the right analogy. When you're designing a magazine versus, for instance, if you're designing a poster or a flyer, you always, you have one page it's one size and it's basically just one composition whereas if you're designing a uh, a magazine you're always working in spreads so you're working in if you look at a magazine spread you're not you're not looking at one composition it's basically three compositions because you're you're designing the left page you're designing the right page but you're also designing the spread it has to look harmonious together even if the two uh, items are not necessarily related if they 're completely unrelated content, um, you still have to look at the the synergy between the two pages so I think that that 's another way that that designing for a a book or a magazine is uh, is different from uh, designing for print
1: and i I think it 's also kind of making a puzzle work yeah. because yes. uh, <laughs> designing for digital the the internet is infinite, right? You can yeah. make a web page as long as you want it to be. <laughs> but for a, for a magazine, you have finite space. So uh, you really have to make all the information fit in there yeah. in a way that looks nice. Uh, and sometimes it, it just takes a lot a lot of time to, to figure out how, how to do that and put all the information needed in, in the amount of spreads that we, we have allotted for a specific story.
0: Yeah, I think. It's... But also, I mean, it, it's easy to make things fit, but to make them fit and also give you a pleasant reading experience, that's that really takes it to another level. Because of, at the end of the day, one of the reasons why we do print is because we want to give a good reading experience. Um, we want it to be calm. We want it to be the antidote to your screen. Um, that's why we use we use um, we have this very very specific kind of paper. It's a uh, it's a recycled paper. Uh, it has a very matte. Um, a very matte finish um, it's uncoated and uh, it, it's very absorbent so it absorbs a lot of ink and it absorbs a lot of light so you get a lot of depth in the paper um, and I think that that kind of tactility, tangibility is really what what is going to define also in the future the the purview of print media versus digital screens and of course the, on top of that there's also a level of interactivity because on your screen you can scroll and you can make stuff move but in print you have a it's a 3d it's a 3d object that exists in your space that exists in your hands you can manipulate it in ways that um, you cannot manipulate your screen you can fold over pages you can turn the magazine upside down or on its sides and that's actually We use that, we try to use that to encourage people, we use that uh, concept to encourage people to do that by um, using layout design to encourage people to turn a magazine in ways that they might not have expected to do. For instance, for this story, where is it, it's Sunday Wishes, ah, here. So this story we've designed on its side because, I mean, it, it, it was also necessary for the design because The images are uh, landscape, and um, a lot of the subjects are centered, which means that if we put them horizontally like this across two pages, the the subject would fall into the middle, into the the fold. Um, So we can't do that. That's another limitation. So instead, we've turned the magazine on its side. By By doing that, we force the reader to turn the magazine on its side, interact with the magazine, with the object, in a new dimension. Um, and another way you can do this, so you, we've used this, this entire story is on its side, um, as you can see. You could print an entire magazine on its side if you wanted to, but another way that you can use this technique is to force the reader to separate different content on the page. So if you look at this story that we designed, uh, it's called Collateral Damage. It's from a Ukrainian illustrator who illustrates uh, portraits of people, of civilians who were killed during the war. Uh, And he draws one every day. And we wanted to put emphasis on the portraits, and we did that by turning the text on its side so that your brain disassociates. You can't read this while you're looking at this, which you would be able to if it was just straight. Your eye would immediately go to the text. Um, but because it's on its side, you have to turn it over on its side to read it, which allows you to look at the text and the images completely separate from each other in a different context. I think that these kind of things, they can be replicated on your phone. But in web design, the um, I mean the, the, te- the technology is there, but it's difficult to implement. And at the end of the day, um, this is one of the ways in which print really distinguishes itself from digital.
1: Can you talk about the
0: cover? Yes, yeah. Yes. That, is, uh, that was definitely one of the things that we wanted to discuss today. Um, at Our Europe, we like to stay relevant to what's happening, of course, but we like to take a step back, basically, to make um, references that are maybe, for instance, in this case, uh, it's, it's a magazine about war which is a lot of other publications have gone the route of using very bloody imagery, very violent imagery, Um, and we wanted to make a more optimistic-feeling magazine. And so after many different concepts, we landed on this uh, cover design. Um, The cover, it is a um, a pisanka. It's a a Ukrainian, Polish, Eastern European um, Easter egg, um, traditional, traditionally painted around Easter, um, and we used it as a symbol for uh, it's an egg, so for birth, rebirth, um, like re-rebuilding after the war. Um, we also wanted to use the uh, the colors, which are uh, traditional: the red, green, blue, and white of Ukrainian traditional dress, um, and we we decided to hide the more violent imagery, so the tanks and the fleeing, the escape routes, the border crossings, in the patterns, the traditional patterns of the Easter egg, Um, not only because we wanted to hide them, but also because we wanted to acknowledge that this war is going to have a lasting effect on the culture, on the identity of Ukrainians um, for generations. So we were just speculating how how we could... give an ode to that kind of idea. And this is what we came up with at the end of the day. Of course, none of us on our team are Eastern European or have very strong Eastern European links or Ukrainian uh, roots. So in order to check that we got it right, because we don't want to be insensitive, we don't want to appropriate or misappropriate um, Ukrainian culture, we crowdsourced our sensitivity um, by asking our Ukrainian contributors because we we have since the writing of this issue we've had quite a few Um, our Ukrainian colleagues our Ukrainian friends um, what do you think about this cover and of course the the opinions are always mixed some people were like uh, I'm not Christian so this doesn't I'm not Orthodox Christian so this doesn't apply to me but I like the concept Uh, and some people thought that it was too violent um, even in its kind of watered down state uh, and so they felt a little bit um, sad looking at it because they thought well I really love this is my culture and um, you're, you're making this uh, into something that represents war uh, and so we retooled it to also have scenes of rebuilding uh, of uh, peace protests and uh, we really met them in their requests, in their feelings so I really hope that um, anyone who feels that they identify as Ukrainian or have have a link to the culture, feels that we respected um, their their values in this cover.
1: I was wondering if you would like to talk a little bit more about uh, the process for doing the cover, because we had some other options for the cover that didn't make it. Yes. and, uh, And also the process of doing the illustrations for the magazine, because you were doing most of the illustrations and it also requires sensibility, so. Yes,
0: yeah, 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 yes. Uh, so normally we work with different illustrators for every article in the magazine, um, but because this is the first magazine that we've produced um, basically on the fly, we were publishing, because of the urgency of the topic, we were publishing articles as we were getting them in, um, as the war was going, because we didn't want to wait until publication day, because we started on this magazine three months ago. uh, And then we were like, oh, we can't keep all the stories behind closed doors until we publish. We have to keep printing. We have to keep publishing it online, Uh, which also meant that we had to illustrate on the fly, which meant that I had to do all the illustrations. Um, So basically, throughout every time we published something online, I did an illustration, which meant that as we went on, there were many different styles, because I was just We were all rushed. We were all, uh, yeah. We had turned our editorial calendar upside down to fit this magazine in, and we were already producing something else, and so we really had to squeeze it in. But anyway, at the end, when we when we had to go to print, all of the illustrations had uh, different styles, which meant that I had to go back and refinish them in the same style, um, which was uh, a unique challenge, definitely. It also showed me that I. I'm very inconsistent in my own work because I just like doing what I feel like in the moment and not necessarily thinking about how it looks overall. But yeah, that was a, it was a big challenge, yeah. But this was your first magazine. Yes. How, uh, how was that to uh, start with such a tumultuous one?
1: It was, I think, incredibly calm <laughs> because we were getting uh, the, the texts every week. So, I was working on one one piece at a time yeah. um, and it was it was really good. I really enjoyed i i think the part that I enjoyed doing the most was the photo stories mm, yeah um yeah. and it was really nice working on that because uh I had a previous selected uh, range of photos that were selected by the the editors. But uh, then I had to really put them on the page and see what worked. And in some cases, I I ended up selecting some other photos. And uh, Transnistria Conglomerate was really uh, a fun story to make. The photos are amazing. Uh, And I remember that we, Eddie actually started working on it first, and then I picked it up. It started out by being four spreads. So it, it was supposed to have eight pages. Uh, and we ended up adding two more pages because there were amazing photos. And uh, in the first selection, the passport was not there. And for me, when I first heard of the speech, the passport was such an, an important part. So the passport, Transnistria is a part of Moldova that is more connected to Russia and the passports, S- Soviet passport, and it's only recognized within Transnistria or Russia. Uh, so yeah. I think that this photo, it's really, it was really important for me that it made it in and I'm, I'm really happy that it did. Yeah. So yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think this is also really photo series, photo- photography articles are one of the main types of articles that we publish where there's a really strong interaction between editorial and design because photos are very visual, um, which means that some I mean, editors can make decisions. They can make choices based on just the files that you see in a folder on your computer. But at the end of the day, when it goes onto the page, it always looks completely different. The combinations don't work. Or um, maybe it doesn't work with the layout or with the colors. Um, So I think that that's really one of the ways in which you see that design is editorial and editorial is design. You can't really separate the two. You, really, you tell a story with design as much as you tell it with, with words, with the images itself, with the content. I think there were, there were a lot of, of stories in which we as the designers decided to take a different route to what the editors had chosen, which I thought was really interesting. We don't usually have that, but for these for this stories... Because they are about war, which is very—it all feels very personal. It feels very, very direct. We all have very different ideas about what should and should not be represented. So we really felt like we also had ownership over which pictures told the complete story, um, which was very, very nice um, interaction that we had. If there's any more questions from the audience, we would also like to have make time for that. So if you would like to ask something yes How big is your team? so on production it's me and Anna on design and then we have our editor-in-chief Anna Lane our, the junior editor Julie and then we have a support staff a support team uh, on membership and communications and business development so in total the team is about 12? 12 12 yeah but for production it's basically the four of us we are, we are such a tight team, we work really closely together, it allows us to approach every single article, every single magazine from an interdisciplinary process, because what you see in a lot of magazines is that you have really big editorial teams, and also really quite big design teams as well, and they're completely separated. It just gets approved, and then it gets sent on, and then there's no interaction, but... I love being able to participate in the editorial process as well, and our editors also really like being involved with design, because as I said before, design and editorial are, they, they work together towards the same goal. Um, so if I make a very stupid design decision, uh, then I'm very happy if uh, the editors say, OK, but now it looks like it's saying something that we're not trying to say. Um, So that's, uh, I really appreciate being in such a small team. I'm not sure we have much more.
1: Making a magazine about war.
0: Oh yeah, making a magazine about war. That's the one thing I I think that's the main thing to talk about. How do you you take a magazine about war and try to make it optimistic? And that's uh, something we really struggled in, Um, not just because my initial, My initial instinct was to make a magazine that was entirely black and white um, to reflect the severity of the topic. Unfortunately, we had just made a magazine that was almost entirely black and white uh, in December, uh, which was our issue about design, designing for humans. And for that magazine we had the concept to really strip the design back to its basics. Um, what is a magazine? It's paper, it's text, um, it's, it's letters. So we really went back to typography, we went back to layout, we went back to just black ink on white paper basically. And I really enjoyed making that as a conceptual magazine, um, but then it didn't feel right to then go ahead and do another um, black and white issue. So we decided to go the other way and try to make it a little bit more optimistic. Um, It helps as well that we chose um, stories, of course, that are not that are a little bit more upbeat, or we tried to choose stories that are a little bit more upbeat. For instance, this story about a Polish-Ukrainian choir in Poland. Um, It's um, about a a choir called or folk band called Zazula, and they sing. Ukrainian traditional Ukrainian uh, choir music, and I was really inspired by. I was listening to the music, and they do this uh, multivocal layering technique called white voice, I think, um, from what I remember, and this the effect it created was really larger than life. Like it really created this really like supernatural feeling, and so I was really inspired by that to make these. Uh, so the landscape that you see is um, it's the. Border region between Poland and Ukraine. I really I drew I drew the the women as giants because they were. That's the feeling that I got while listening to the music, and I really wanted to give this feeling of hope and optimism. And then another way that we try to keep it optimistic is by using um, some metaphor. For instance, for this story um, called "We Don't Have a Plan," which already sounds very pessimistic. It's about the Hungarian. Um, it's the Hungarian solution or lack of solution to uh, Ukrainian refugees crossing the border. And if, when you read the article, what really struck with me was what really stuck with me was this feeling of being in a maze, of being uh, in this completely ruleless, leaderless situation where you're just sent from one place to another place, back to the first place, and then in circles again and again. And I imagined that. It's like the people ending up in a very cruel board game where your fate is really determined by the arbitrary rules or the roll of the dice. Um, and of course, this is what allowed me to make a little bit more of a colorful, more optimistic feeling approach, even though if you look at it, it's not, if you look closely and if you read the story, it's not necessarily an optimistic story, but it, we can give it a little bit more accessibility. Because at the end of the day, we also want to make people want to read it. And if you only do doom and gloom, you don't really lure people in to, to the magazine. Yes. Um, I, yeah.
1: I still feel that we were able to keep it sober, especially the, the last article that I read was uh, protests between... Uh, yes, ex- exactly, that one. Yeah. And uh, it's a really powerful article. Uh, I didn't have a chance to to actually read it before <laughs> I designed it because it was one of the last ones coming in, and we were actually finishing the magazine. So I I only read it last week. I w- when I read it, I thought it's really good that we kept this in black and white yeah. because then it also links to the collateral damage article, and it's. I feel like both those articles, they link together and they're both powerful and they both relate to grief. Yeah. So it was actually really nice that they're in black and white and it keeps the soberness in in the right moments of the magazine, I feel like.
0: Don't worry. I did read it before we designed it. So
1: you weren't completely
0: completely in the dark. Um, And I think that one of the biggest, bigger challenges of this magazine was... Um, designing the the the, the diary. Um, basically, we asked uh, four people in Ukraine to record the first month of the war um, from their perspective, um, from different parts of Ukraine. So from Kharkiv, Zaporizhia, Mariupol, Odessa, and Kiev. Uh, oh no, Kiev. We we dropped in the end. Of course, this is. If you, it's a very powerful experience to read about war from someone's first-hand perspective in the beginning there was a toss-up between are we going to do a timeline or are we going to do a diary the timeline would be more factual but even already looking back now um, the timeline that we would have made in the first month of the war is already completely irrelevant because things are changing so much um, it doesn't give it doesn't give you enough context, it doesn't give you a personal insight, whereas years from now, even, I hope that a diary will remain uh, relevant. I mean, you only have to look to Anne Frank to realize that personal stories are um, are really able to stand the test of time. Um, and one of the ways that we kept the soberness is by uh, spreading the, mag- the the diary throughout the magazine. So we took one month, we cut it into four pieces and we spread it in parts around the magazine and um, we really tried to keep the the rhythm of the days because that's of course the, the structure of a diary is one day and then the next day and then the next day and so we, we, kept the, um, we kept the days at the top uh, the date indication and then um, we kept the stories below to really give readers the like, this feeling of of repetition: first one day, then the second day, then the third day, and then you pick the same pattern up again when the when the diary continues uh, halfway through the magazine. I think that even though it is it is very sober, it is I think one of the nicest parts because just because you could you can see that a lot of thought went into it. At least that's what I think. <laughs> I made it, but <laughs> um, yeah. I thought it was a, a unique challenge to work on uh, a magazine with this theme in this way. Um, I hope that we don't have to do another magazine about war, uh, just because I don't want there to be another war. Um, but uh, definitely a valuable lesson and a valuable experience for me. Do you have any closing statements? I don't know how we are on time. Um, we have how, many, how much time we have left? Five minutes okay uh i'm not going to freestyle so i'm just going to check my notes in case i haven't said anything that i wanted to say um
1: oh no, i think we we have
0: i think we have covered we, we have covered everything um if anyone has any more questions feel free please feel free to uh to just jump in um, i think what is going to be uh, the, ne- the next challenge is going to be the next magazine we did, a, we did a, a rebrand recently, so um, I don't actually have any of the old magazines here, um, but we used to have um, a different logo, and all of our covers uh, used to have a frame on it in which we put the illustration. Um, I think after six issues with that format, I started realizing that whenever I saw the frame, the only thing that my brain could think of to do was a portrait of a person. Uh, so after, after really breaking my brain for uh, six issues, I decided to get, rid of the, uh, to get rid of the frame, which I'm very happy about, because this would look very odd in a, in a square frame as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to designing the next issues with more freedom on the cover, um, giving us the ability to do new, exciting things. Um, the next issue we're already producing it's yeah it's, a, it's also very exciting it's a little bit more rural <laughs> literally uh, it's called Down to Earth it's, come, it's going to go to the printer next week so we have a, a busy week ahead of us uh, finishing it um, it's going to be very green I hope lots of plants i am really looking forward to it
1: green and earthy tones earthy
0: tones yeah I'm very happy with that I think at the end of the day we just make what makes us happy and uh, yeah. I like colorful things.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um,
0: I think I'm just gonna wrap it up. Wrap it up now. Um, thank you all for listening. I hope what we said anything of interest. Um, I think design is very, very interesting to think about, um, but when you start talking about it, it always becomes very abstract very quickly. Yes. Uh, yeah, and so unless. Sure. <laughs> So, thank you to the people listening now at home, online, and in the future. Um, I do want to give a small plug. If you don't have the magazine yet, it is available downstairs. It is a a really good read, uh, and I hope that you like the way it looks as well. Uh, Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. You just listened to a conversation between RWE Europe's creative director, Eddie Stock, and designer, Ana Rodriguez. Episode was produced by RWE Europe, mixed and edited by me, Jada Santana, and Neja Borkovic. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our channel and help us share important European stories.